Welcome back to Broken Lenses. Hey, I like that, man. I'm going to steal that. Yeah. I mean, you know, didn't mean to steal your thunder there. Oh, you're good, man. No. uh, All right. Episode two. Here we go. Let's jump right in. I mean, it's not for like, it's not for a want of trying, though. I've had like (laughs) six people. Yeah, yeah, man. I want to be I want to I want to sit down and, you know, be on the podcast. And I'm like, all right, cool. When? (laughs) You tell me. Okay. Tonight? <laughs> oh, no, that doesn't work for me. I man. mean, I, I think that you're kind of jumping down their throat when you say tonight. Like, you know, nobody's really expecting to, you know, record a podcast that very night. I think it's something that most people think it's like planning and, you know, a little more production than, you know, not to, not to knock on what you're doing. Like you said, it's not for want of trying. I mean, you're putting something out there in the world that you appreciate something that you know interests you more than anything that's the point of view you know points of views points of view of different people um yeah so yeah i mean i was a little like yeah man I'll, i i did the same thing i was like oh man but man not tonight maybe not tonight no i was kind of looking forward to like you know maybe every and we probably weren't going to record but uh you know doing dinner at sam's house which you know was kind of looking forward to it. I didn't think it was really going to like happen, happen because it was the same thing. You and Sam were just like, you guys want to come to dinner at my house tonight, tonight? And everyone's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then later on in the day, everyone was like, man, I'm just fucking beat. I got other things to do. Like, you know, <laughs> again, you just you're kind of expecting a little more planning and, and thought put behind it. And the intentions are good. Um, I think that would be like, um, for those that, listen and don't know we we work together in an office there's only like two listeners bro (laughs) actually no last time i last time i checked i got like 15 listens on the first uh on the first one so hey that's awesome man as long as it grows i'm again you know yeah by the way tonight uh we're recording at night uh we're actually back in arizona the first one was in dallas oh yeah welcome to phoenix yeah it's nice but not really. It's nicer than most other parts of the country right now because Dallas got snow like two days ago. Yeah. And it was on the ground. I mean, I think they got like an inch of snow. It was on the ground and then it was gone. Yeah. I mean, you know, in hot places like this, snow is just going to not really last very long. Yeah. But anyways, uh, I've got my buddy Rafi here who was so gracious to come on the podcast last minute tonight yeah because the person i had tonight i love her to death uh had some stuff come up and rafi was like yeah i am down tyler was just like yeah no not tonight dude yeah well, but i Raf- mean rafi Tyler's... was trying to like bite my ear off all day like hey <laughs> at three o'clock hey i just wanted to confirm that we're recording tonight <laughs> You want you want to come to my place and do it? <laughs> I think your your response was, "Why are you canceling on me?" I was like, <laughs> I know. "Like, like no, I'm actually here to confirm with you." Um, but no, um, you know, Tyler's Tyler's a busy dude, and honestly, I could be doing work stuff right now. Sorry for anybody in upper management that might listen to this at some point. Uh, but you know, sometimes we just have stuff that comes up, and we've all been really busy in the office, and um, you know, taking care of this. Uh, I guess crisis that we've got going on supposedly but <clears throat> it's not a crisis it comes I mean, up every now and then it just means that we need to do our job more efficiently 
Yeah, and you know the uh, planning and the execution of a lot of different ideas and and uh, um, I guess procedures that we're putting into place. You know, we're kind of indicative of we're just trying to find a more efficient way of you know doing what we do because it is kind of just all up in the air and. I don't know. It's crazy, but it's enjoyable. I mean, this is honestly the first job that I've ever had where uh, I've actually put a lot of time and energy into and have seen the results and have gotten the rewards for that. So, you know, it's way different. I mean, it's nice to be able to paint a house and look at it afterward and, you know, man, I did that. That's cool. That house looks amazing compared to what it did 15 hours ago. But I mean, that's a 15 hour workday. And at the end of the day, the paycheck's not that great and I'm tired as hell and just want to, you know, at that time it was for me, it's like, go celebrate end of the day, 15 hour workday. Guess what? I'm going to buy a couple beers and you know, that's my night. Forget playing video games, <laughs> which I like video games. I don't care how old you are. They're enjoyable. It's a form of art. And that's my yeah, argument. I think, <laughs> I think you try to make sure that everybody knows that you enjoy video games. Oh yeah, absolutely. I don't not. Enjoy, I mean, I don't not enjoy video games. I just kind of. I guess, I guess I was before we even started recording. I I guess we were talking about, you know, one of my friends that passed away. Uh, yeah, like, you'd mentioned that. Yeah, like two, maybe no, like a week and a half before my seventeenth birthday, and we used to play all the time. Like yeah, and that's rough. Yeah, man. Like we would be on the we would be on the phone, uh, you know, playing Xbox, uh, playing like Splinter Cell, and me. I'm like one of those people where he's on the phone. We don't actually like we would be on the phone for like eight hours, <laughs> not talking but playing together. <laughs> yeah, not talking, but like we're playing on the other end. And this was like this was way before, you know, you had the land like the online connections where like you can actually play together. Yeah. Where they had like the LAN set up where like if you brought two Xboxes into the same room, yeah, you, could, you could connect you them to each other. Together. Yeah. Yeah. So like it was before like it was before being able to play online. And you know, I'm playing Splinter Cell. And it's a part where like you have to hide from like the guard, like you have to hide behind the wall. Yeah, because it's like stealth action. Yeah, exactly. You're sneaking around, killing dudes. But like I'm on the like like he would try to start talking when I'm doing that part and I'm like, No, shut up. <laughs> like they can <laughs> And then, yeah. like, and then I'd lean, like, you have to, like, peek around the corner. Like, I'd peek around the corner and, like, twist my head. Yeah. I think that's something, I mean, I think it's something that came with, with when I started playing Nintendo. My mom was telling me a while back that I would actually, like, I'd hit the button for, like, Mario to jump. Yeah, and you'd jump. And I'd something. jump, yeah, like, yeah. I'd jump with him. <laughs> I, think that, I think that was instinctive for, like, every child that was super into their video games. Um, I mean, you see a lot of memes about it and... and a lot of uh, funny videos. Um, but, I mean, you know, my love for video games is is not as hardcore as most uh, gamers in the world. You know, I don't I don't stream online. Uh, I don't have, like, a following of people that come to watch me play or anything like that. Like, I do it for purely, you know, my own enjoyment. It, it is kind of a way for me to relax. And I say relax, but I'm going to be yelling over that mic, shouting out call-outs, you know, like, Frank coming out, you know, like, <laughs> he's around that corner. You know, top mid, top mid, coming around the trailer. Um and I, I get into it, you know, and um, that's just, you know, that's that's kind of like my escape, you know. And as I was sharing with you uh, my drawings, like uh, when I was in when I was in prison, so I, I did a little bit of time um, back in 2018, all the way up until the middle of 19, 
And uh, during that time, it gave me the opportunity to, number one, I learned a lot of, a lot of damn good skills. You know, not that I'm like really good at welding, but I learned how to weld. I learned the basics. Um, I learned how to operate heavy machinery. Uh, and that was like my nine to five. You know, you leave the gate. I worked with the National Guard. Um, and essentially, we were like a chain gang, right? You know, but we're not like actually attached or anything like that to any chains. It's just, you know, we're kind of just under quote unquote supervision. Um, but, you know, in my free time out there uh, on that yard, I was, I, I drew, I drew a lot, you know, and uh, I don't know, I think that's something that I want to do, you know, kind of like with my little, my little desk areas, like, you know, put up a couple of pieces of my, of my art. Um, and I don't know, like you said, I, I kind of make it known that I like video games. I'm like, you know, I'm not ashamed of that. I'm a 32 year old guy. I'm, you know, single. I've got kids that live in California, uh, you know, divorced. I'm basically just living for myself right now. Uh, just trying to, you know, get myself to that point where I can take care of my children, maybe like in the near future here and uh, split time. And I don't know, maybe move to California, I, but that's, you know, neither here nor there. And like right now in the conversation, like the, the point I'm getting at is that it's something that I enjoy. It's something that you know, when I look at my little, you know, trinkets and, and collectibles uh, all over my desk, I'm like, he, he, you know, it's kind of like a break for the <laughs> monotony. Like I can look at my, you know, my Funko Pops of John and Daenerys and be like, ah, oh, yeah, that show fucking sucked. But I love Wait, the books. Uh, you've never seen Game of Thrones? Oh, I've, I've seen a couple episodes. I, I never really like got into it. I never really got into it. And then yeah. by the time, like, I was like, okay, maybe I should, like, get into this. Like, it was, like, uh, the series finale. And yeah. I was like, oh, kind of look too little boat too on that one. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, like, I got into, I got into Grey's Anatomy in, like, yeah, season, season, season five or season five or six. And, like, right now, like, so me and one of my friends, we used to, um, and it's a female friend, um, been friends for <laughs> i like how you felt the need to point that out <laughs> i did like I, I i don't know man it's neither uh, here nor there like it's not, were yeah talking to your no friend. no no it's not <laughs> <laughs> i mean if if no never mind we're just gonna stop there um but no like uh we used to watch uh we would binge watch all of the series before like the new season would start oh yeah rewatching. yeah and like that's really besides like Grey's Anatomy and The Ranch. Like The Ranch is like my all-time favorite Netflix show. Mm-hmm. But right now I'm watching Grey's Anatomy. Grey's Anatomy on yeah. it, right? Because season 16 or 17, I can't, I can't remember how many seasons there are. All I know is that I've been binge-watching Grey's pretty much every night if I'm not listening to, you know, podcasts. And I'm only in like season eight, and there I think there's like sixteen on Netflix mm-hmm. because I didn't plan well. And the new season started like the new season started like before Christmas. I can't believe that show's still going on. I mean, I think I was probably in like, I think it, a couple I, years out of high school when that came out. Yeah, I think it's. There's no way you were out of high school, dude. It's in like season sixteen. You would have gotten out of high school at like. 15. I graduated in 2007, so I don't I don't know when Grey's Anatomy started. I graduated in 2007. Well, you're 32 and I'm 32, so it stands to reason that we probably graduated high school around the same time. That's a that's an accurate <laughs> assessment. 10-4. <laughs> <Ten four. laughs> 
um, I had no idea that it was going on that long. Uh, Supernatural just ended, uh, apparently. Uh, Wasn't that like 15 seasons? Yeah, something like that. You know, and that was a show I never really got into. I don't know, like, I, man, I hate to sound so cynical, but like, and I've got no reason to be, you know, so judgmental about shows or anything like that. It's just like, I guess, my preference. Like, I'm really, yeah. like, stick with good writing, good acting, you know, hence why, you know, Game of Thrones just, like, kind of fell off for me. But, um, I don't know, man. I've never seen Grey's Anatomy. I've maybe seen an episode here or two and never really realized what I was watching. I mean, that's possible. Yeah, I man. I think it, I, honestly, I think TV show, like, there's something out there for everybody. Yeah. And, like, Grey's might not be up your alley. But I'm guessing Cobra Kai is. You know what? My parents keep talking about it. My family keeps talking about it. And in the back of my mind, every time I hear see somebody post something about, you know, oh, Cobra Kai, I'm just like, pff, 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 <laughs> whatever. Ralph Macchio. Yeah, like, pff, and the other guy, I don't even know his name. Like, <laughs> when it comes to entertainment, I don't know, like, a whole lot of stars and stuff like that. I say that, and I won almost won trivia today, but, you know. Um, in my defense, that was, did, 19, that was 1980s trivia. Uh but yeah, um, we, we were we were born on the tail end of that. Yeah. So like, I mean like that but that culture like kind of bled through into the nineties. You know, the changes weren't as fast as they are today. But um yeah, you know, I think that there's something out there for everybody. I'm I'm an anime nerd. I'm just a nerd in general. Like I like I like quirky things. I like, you know, things that are just kinda like out of the norm. Um I like I don't mean to sound like I'm tooting my own horn or like bragging, but he's definitely tooting um, his own horn. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I take pride in, you know, kind of like my unique kind of taste in, in things. Like I like certain bands and people are like, oh, well then you'd like this band. And I listen to that band. And I don't know if it's just cause I, I don't know what it is, but sometimes I'm just like, ah, oh, maybe I don't like that band. You know, Tyler will be, will be driving out to Flagstaff and he starts playing some stuff and I'm like, oh, I really like this song, dude. And he's like, oh, cool. We'll listen to this next one. And then I listen to the next one and I'm like. I didn't really enjoy it as much. He's like, oh, it's the same band. I'm like, that doesn't really mean that I'm, you know, yeah, supposed to enjoy it, you know? Yeah, actually, it was funny. Uh, we were talking about this, you know, because, I mean, we just dropped the fr- Well, I wasn't planning on going two weeks into the new year without dropping another episode. But we recorded the first episode out in Dallas, like, two days after Christmas, right? Mm-hmm. And I was telling Tyler, uh, who is the head honcho for us uh we were talking about it on my way home and he was telling me uh that uh i should get from episode one of my podcast to episode 50 as quickly as i can and usually there's some right like yeah well i and then i did hear that i did hear uh somebody else that was for some reason I watch YouTube videos on like how to podcast. Mm-hmm. Like they're gonna like they're gonna tell me like some earth shattering thing. Like oh my god, I have to go get this right. Yeah, when in doubt, YouTube. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, like it works for some things, but like he, they did say something similar to what Tyler told me. Uh, he said we're in an age where people like to binge watch. Yeah. Or binge listen. Oh yeah. And the guy was like, before you like before you launch. You should have four episodes recorded. And when he said that, I was like, yeah, man, that really would have been nice for me to like have four episodes recorded where I wasn't just like, hey, do you want to come on the podcast? Like, I'm walking around the office right now just like going, hey, do you want to come on the podcast? Like, like Tyler's dad was in there today, man. I was like, 
was like, hey, do you want to come on the podcast? Like, everybody keeps canceling on me. I don't know if, well, I mean, I think that everybody is, like, they want to. Like, they might I, be a little intimidated. I mean, I know I was at first, and uh, like I told you right before we started recording, like, this is kind of me come, overcoming a fear of hearing myself talk, because I don't like to hear myself talk. I don't like to sound pompous. I don't know, and that's probably not a fear that everybody, um, I don't want to say pompous. It's not the right word. I didn't use that right there. No, but I think, no, I, I, like, I got what you were, I got what you were saying, but it just kind of made me laugh because, like, I don't, and not at you, it was just, like, I wish I used words like that, right? Like, my vocabulary has been so restricted for so long, like, I'm trying to be like I'm trying to be good with my words uh because I felt so bad when we first recorded like we were cussing through like the entire thing and in the back of my mind I'm like I know my mom wants to listen to this <laughs> and Sorry, like mom like yeah like like bless her heart you know like she's awesome right she just doesn't like hearing like vulgar language which is fine like I'm, I'm i'm cool with that right like i use a lot of vulgar language like i curse like a sailor when i'm not around my mom gosh you're so so i'm like, like I, I i try to be <laughs> like i try to be careful when i'm you know when i'm talking around her but then i'm also thinking like is that actually me like am i just kind of like pretending no no i I love my mom, and I wouldn't. I try not to cuss around her. Yeah, I cuss around my stepdad a lot. <laughs> I think there's a level of respect there. I come from a mer- very yeah. matriarchal family, uh, family where <clears throat> the point, of, or I guess the perspective that we have of my mother is like she is the queen. You know, my father might have the throne, but it's the woman behind the throne i guess you could say (laughs) um but i I get that and uh you know honestly i hate to say it but i cuss around my mom a lot Uh, maybe not like a lot but more than yeah i probably would like to i i just think i'm I'm kind of a pretty passionate person so i don't know that kind of just escapes when i am expressing myself so you know that that just that just happens but i get where you're coming from you know you want your mom to, you know, be able to enjoy something that you're creating and, and, and put out there too. Uh, I think for the sake of, you know, what we were chatting in before we went on this, you know, small little tangent, uh, I don't know, people have been like super busy, you know, and, uh, right now you're, you're just reaching out to close friends and, um, that's a good start. I mean, we have a pretty dynamic environment. Um, a lot of people from different backgrounds and, and uh, you know, different places. Oh, big time. Um, you know, Diana said to me the other day, She, <laughs> I mentioned being in prison. She looked at me and goes, well, you look very well put together. And I'm like, thank you. I don't know whether to take that as a compliment or if you're telling me, like, I look fake or something. Like, <laughs> I really don't know how to take it. But I just responded. In, and I wasn't offended. But I responded in kind like, you know, that's kind of where I'm I'm at at this age, you know. Like, I still sometimes have the mentality of an 18-year-old boy that – you know, has yet to figure things out. And I've figured out a lot. Um, 
So again, and that's this is like me kind of overcoming that fear of again not liking to hear myself talk and not again br- bragging, but I feel like I do have a pretty good point of view. I mean, it works for me at least, and I think that's something that I can you know kind of share with the world and and kind of let I don't know maybe some other people who kind of feel the same way feel at ease about themselves. Like I'm not very uh, opinionated about outside issues. Um, I don't, I don't much care for sports, you know, at, like at all. Yeah. And I tried to talk, I tried <laughs> to talk sports with you, man. And I was just like, God, you'll please lose be me. a Suns fan. Please be a Suns you'll fan. You'll lose me. Yeah. I've had people ask me, like I was in sales for a very long time, you know, and selling jewelry. One of our main customers is guys, you know, obviously buying jewelry for, I mean, really you've got one or two customers. You've got a female and you've got a male, you know, and. You know, how are you going to start that conversation? And what I mean by that is like, you know, yeah, there are different dynamics when you're dealing with different genders and a lot of them can be the same. Like there are a lot of women out there that like sports. And I guess that's like not necessarily something that I look for in a you know, significant other, but like it's hard for me to connect with people, you know, and build rapport to gain their trust to spend $20,000 on an engagement ring with me. And I can't connect with this guy over sports. You know, and like that's his jam, that's his thing. Guy comes in wearing a son's hat, son's jersey, son's pendant, you know, and I'm just like, dude, I, you know, you lost me there. Like, have you ever played Halo though? Because I mean, that's fucking fun. Like, I love shooting aliens. <laughs> and then you get in an arena with like all your buddies and you start shooting each other, you know, competing for wins, you know, like that's my jam. That's, you know, and I, I've dealt with people like that and have, I've had successes, you know, with people that, do like sports and i'm not saying that it was something that was crippling my success or anything but like that's just not that's not my thing i don't you know and it's hard for me to relate that because I, you know we i didn't really grow up watching a lot of sports i played and i'll play i love playing you know i know a lot more about you know some of the games than i lead people on to believe um so like when i'm when i toss something in the wastebasket and i'm like touchdown you know i know that's not a yeah exactly and i'll say things like that too but um i don't know i just feel like this is like kind of my opportunity to at least outside of uh you know where i can share freely which is in the rooms as we call it and i don't know yeah quotes um air quotes i don't know how freely you you know open up about that or talk about that in the room or on, on on the podcast but like um, I mean, I would say, I, w- I would say it, it, it depends on what we're talking about. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't, I'm not like, I'm not trying to hide it. Uh, but like, yeah, I mean, we're both, uh, at least from what I know, we're both pretty active in the, uh, in the recovery community. Yeah. And you know, that's because I've, I kind of found my center and myself in that. Um, that's just kind of where I can relate to a lot of people. Uh, you know, that's not really a place where we talk about video games. You know what I mean? Like, it's not, yeah, I mean, you can, you know, you find a lot of people that do, but I mean, that's not like yeah, a, I guess obviously I don't the really... focus of our, you know, of us convening together to, you know, share about these things, which are our problems, um, so on and so forth. Yeah. I guess I don't really hear people like elevating, like 
their struggles in video games and leading <laughs> to like the level of like yeah this is a real life problem right yeah no and you know i'm grateful that i have like first world problems as we call them now you know before it was like other stuff that was a lot more detrimental to my life back then and now i'm at a point where it's you know my life is just not like that but you know those are those are the things that i learned you know coming from prison and having found the rooms actually taking the rooms a little more seriously you know for my own recovery um at that point in my life where i started to develop this sense of like you know i do have like some worth and i can probably you know help somebody or at least feel help maybe not directly help somebody but at least make them feel like they're not alone because there have been a lot of people in my life especially right now that have helped me feel like i'm not alone you know my my roommate uh tyler uh, not the head honcho of our of our office. Um, he he's one of them though. Apparently, not anymore. But he was. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. Um, like he and I will play video games, you know, all the way up until like midnight. Uh, you know, and I'm older now. I don't try to stay up past midnight because I like to get my sleep. But, um, dude, midnight is like uncharted territory for me these days. <laughs> like, yeah, nine thirty, man, nine thirty. If I'm not like getting ready for bed. I'm already laying down. I hear you. Yeah. Um, man, I haven't been able to really do that since, gosh, I think when I started this job. But, yeah, I mean, anyway, I'm just, I'm getting older. And, again, that that comes with, like, the realization, the awareness, especially now that I'm clean and sober. It's like I have more self-worth and, you know, I enjoy my sleep because my sleep, you know, is it's better quality now. Um so yeah, I, d- I definitely see where you're coming from. Uh, last night I was up until twelve forty-five playing Cyberpunk to finish the game, you know, and I was like, "No, I've got to get it done. I've got to get it done tonight. <laughs> like this is it. I want to replay the damn game. I just want it to end right now." Um, <laughs> but um, actually, it wasn't Tyler that I was playing with last night. It was uh, Ronnie. Um, but I told him at some point, you know, like, "Hey, I'm going to call it quits after this because I want to play this other game and then like knock out a couple things for work and then." go to bed that didn't happen i got sucked into the video game as i do because again that's just like you know i guess my release and it's weird saying that like you know but you know it is but that's how like i can relate to some other people because i you know belong to a demographic of people that are my age who still love and play video games have children of their own uh and kind of like pass that down like i love the fact that my daughter likes to play minecraft i'm like Dude, that's awesome. I didn't like Minecraft at first. I thought, like, what the hell do we have graphics like this if we're just going to be playing in, like, 8-bit blocks? <laughs> you know? Like, it's 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 crazy. Um, My little brother I, loves that game. It's fun. I honestly have I got never, lost I've for never hours. played it, man. And honestly, you probably never will. You, you know? And that's just because I know you. You don't like, you know, video games all that much. And I, I wouldn't say that I don't like video games. Yeah, like we were talking earlier about it. But I mean, there was like, my best friend will tell you, I am the worst when it comes to like buying systems, right? Because like I'll see a game that I like, and like when like for like I'm not like I don't get sucked into video games anymore. Like I, I there are times that I wish I did. Uh, but like my buddy during the time that the PS4 was out like before the PS5 cuz like the PS5 I can't even wrap my mind around 
I've never even seen one. I mean, I've, like, I've seen them online. I've just never seen one like in, in person, person yet. We I, could guess, have, I guess it's only been a few months since they've been out. Yeah, we could have if we went to Sam's house last night. Sam. She has one? <laughs> yeah, no, her boyfriend has one. Um, oh, okay. And uh, I guess they've been playing Cyberpunk, too. So, you know, that's... Okay. And that's another person. I mean, I didn't Sam even, know, I didn't even like, know that. Yeah, Sam's well into her 30s, and she enjoys playing video games with her boyfriend. And, you know, she loves Mortal Kombat. Um, so, like, that's kind of like how she and I you know, kind of vibe. Uh, we've gotten to have really deep conversations about other things, but you know, the more like you start to peel back layers on people, when you start to open up yourself and kind of be vulnerable, like I like to consider Sam a very good friend at this point. I've known her for a very short period of time, but I know that I can have conversations with her about just about anything and not feel judged or belittled, um, you know, looked down upon or anything like that. No one's going to ridicule me. Um, you know, I've had people, say things about my Funko Pops and they're like, oh, your dolls, your dolls. And I'm like, mm, sometimes I want to be like, they're not fucking dolls. Uh, but, you know, they're, I mean, to me, they're collectibles and I love them. They represent something that I love in my life, you know, and other yeah. people do understand that, you know, and uh, a couple of people in the office got me some Funko Pops for, you know, the Game of Thrones series, actually. All those down there. Nice, <laughs> um, dude. Yeah, all in one fell swoop. I got like all of those and was like, cool, my collection just increased like by 20%. <laughs> it's not a very big collection. Um, and I only just recently started doing that, you know, collecting th things like that. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's one of those things like, dude, for me, my alcoholism was like, it stifled my passions, my creativity, you know, just put me in a really dark spot where I, again, I felt like I had no worth. Like I was just this piece of shit that just didn't bring any kind of quality to anybody's life. And I saw that was evident in, you know, the way my friends would treat me, uh, my, my parents, you know, my family, and not that they tre treated me badly, but, you know, I stopped getting invited to go to birthdays, dinners, trips, you know, stuff like that. And um, so, again, like for me, this is like something that I can now kind of take pride in along with my artwork, which I haven't had time, a whole lot of time to do. It's <clears throat> freaking amazing, dude. <sighs> Thank you. Like, <laughs> I, <laughs> dude, I about fell over when you opened that thing up, man. Yeah, they're... Um, I love it. I've, you know, gotten significantly better with the time that I had in prison. You know, it was something that I practiced and uh, people asked me to do pictures for them. And, you know, that would get me like $15 worth of food <laughs> on the yard, $20 worth of food if I didn't like you. Um, uh, but, you know, those things, again, you know, being able to not have to put on a facade and hide that I was drinking because I had all these demons and, you know, whatever it was at that point in time, like I feel now I'm at a point where I can be vulnerable with people and open up and have these conversations and, you know, conversations that I was just afraid to have with people before, you know, like you and I have talked about, you know, my, my life, my love yeah. life, you know, and I, you know, brought up how I feel about some girls and, um, you know, that's, and that's not something I'm like actively seeking or anything, but it's like fun to entertain, you know, like I told you to, girls have cooties. Yeah. You have told me multiple times, but I won't listen. <laughs> um, uh, I've been warned by several people. <laughs> You're going to get in trouble. Um, but, you know, for for me to have those conversations now is like enjoyable. So, again, coming on here and like being able to have this conversation with you sitting here in, you know, my bedroom, it's like this is me overcoming a fear and and. Now this is probably going to be put out to, you know, I don't know how many listeners you have at this very moment, but, you know, hopefully I can, My mom. you know, contribute to, yeah, thanks mom. I can <laughs> contribute to that. And, um, I don't know. I like, I like to share, you know, myself with people now, like it's not something that I'm afraid of so much. Um, 
it was something that we were talking about. I, have, I had a conversation with a group of people the other night, and it was like I was always that guy in the background, just like, you know, keeping to myself until I got super fucking drunk. And then, you know, I wanted at that, like something would switch, and all of a sudden I want to be the fucking life of the party. And uh, it's, I know now. I have this sense of awareness, which isn't always great. I can still be very oblivious and, you know, not very observative. But um, I have this awareness to know that I know who I can share myself with, who I can start to share myself with, and eventually might get to a point. And I know kind of like how to read the room and like when, you know, some conversations just aren't really appropriate or maybe it's not like the right time. Um, but like I said, with Sam, like, you know, she's she likes video games. Uh, we've bonded over talking about cyberpunk i've helped her out on a couple of things um we bonded over talking about music sexuality like you know drugs alcohol partying um almost like she and i have talked about almost every topic you can think of um and that like kind of came from a sense that i don't want to say that she doesn't have a filter but she's not afraid to be herself and that in turn is inspiring to see in someone when you start to see like what she's not afraid of and what she's made of, you know, does that make sense? Yeah. Like, I, I hear, and I hear and it like, you know, she shared some stuff with me, which in turn made me feel like, you know what? Me too. You know, like I also enjoy those things or Man, have that felt that whole. way. And, you know, to level with somebody, but for her to come and like, just openly out and say it, like, you know, sometimes I feel like, not not sometimes I feel like that with her, but like sometimes I feel like when people start sharing with me, I guess like more in the past, I was like, oh my God, that was, you know, a little TMI a little too quickly. Like, yeah. it makes me feel awkward sometimes, but like, <laughs> um, I see now that that's like, you know, people's way of like kind of opening themselves up and for me to be the kind of person that like, oh, I don't, you know, to like judge them or... or be condescending to them about it or share a point of view that's extremely judgmental or, or just the antagonist or the antithesis of what their, you know, their and plight using a lot of is. words I don't understand, um, man. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so basically what I'm saying is, like, it's the counterpart to, like, how they feel, their points of view, you know, um, or their uh, journey. Um, like, okay. that's... Who am I? You know what I mean? Like, because I feel that way I don't right know who are you? and and am i like saying those things in that kind of way where like oh if i re if i start to like relate to this person on a verbal level they might see the insides and you know the insides of my soul and my brain and my thoughts and they might think that i'm fucking weird or something and why if they just came to me and said something that i'm feeling and thinking of like and I share that with them, like, how are they going to be any more apt to judge me than, and that's, I just think it's wrong. Like, I'm at a better point in my life right now. I'm more aware of that, you know, I do those things. And really, it's when I see myself and other people that, like, usually used to be a big turnoff for me. And I'm like, I don't like that person. Well, why? Because they do this, this, and this, you know, and my sponsor would say, well, weren't those like kind of part of the process that you and I just went through? Like, didn't you not, <laughs> did you not point those same things out to me? And yeah. I'm like, fuck, you're right, man. Like, uh, I still got some introspective work to, to do. And, but again, you know, now I'm at this point where I'm not afraid to like really, you know, share myself uh, so much. 
Um, I am still a little skittish sometimes, you know, we've got some newbies in the office and, you know, I've kind of opened up a little bit more now that they've seen me outside of Zoom meetings and we've kind of gotten yeah. to know each other a little more and uh, that's that's pretty cool. That's That's awesome. We are at 35 minutes, my friend. Wow, really? Oh, yeah. Um, I'm going to stop you right there. Uh, we'll take a little nicotine break, and then we'll we'll come back. You're spitting, oh. some, you're spitting some fire here, man. <laughs> nicotine break. <laughs> I've been vaping this whole fucking time. <laughs> no. yeah. All right, I guess but it's yeah, upon we'll, our return. Uh, yeah, um, I said it before. I'll say it again. Uh, we are still not a sponsored podcast. If uh, If you like what you're hearing and you want to sponsor the podcast, hit me up. I'm on Instagram. Or I guess not I am. We are. Uh, we're on Instagram. <laughs> and uh, if you hit me up and you uh, want to sponsor the podcast, uh, I'll let you. Yeah, so. he's got no problem with that. Who's back, 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 back again? again. Yeah. Shady's back, back, back. Tell, Tell a friend. friend. I hope I don't get in trouble for doing that. I um, don't think that you really can. I mean, we didn't have any real music. We just vocalized acapella. Yeah. Yeah, I've been really like digging into old music recently. Like, I, yeah. was, I was jamming out to Hanson earlier. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, baby. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No. Um, all right, so uh, during our little nicotine break, uh, which I made sure I lived up to, <laughs> that you did. I was like, I feel like I feel like I'm lying if I tell people we're taking a nic- nicotine break and we're not. It's an honest program. Hey, I'm trying, man. I'm trying here, man. <laughs> sometimes I gotta. Sometimes I gotta make that stuff right. Yeah. No, but um, no, we talked a lot about uh, you know what's going on with Rafi now, but. Uh, I mean, where did where did it start? Like, I'm saying like a lot right now. I'm noticing that, and that's like bugging the hell out of me. It's bugging the. This is your podcast, man. You do what you want with it. It's bugging the hell out of me because I really want people to to be able to experience what it's like sitting across from you, uh, socially distanced. Uh, I just need to make sure that everybody knows we're socially distanced here. Uh, I do bring, I bring alcohol wipes with me, uh, so that we can, if, if we need to, we can wipe down the headphones. But for a second, I thought, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it just sounded that way. I'm sure to bring alcohol. I knew, I knew where you were going. (laughs) No, but so you've got kids in California. Yeah. Is that that where you're from? No, no. Um, let's see. Like David Copperfield, I was, uh, born. I was, I, I grew up. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> let's see. Uh, I was born it's and raised. Be a really short story. <laughs> I was born and raised in Chicago. Um, grew up on the northwest side of the city, uh, uh, more like the western side. I guess you know neither here nor there. Semantics. Um, I grew up down the f- maybe about ten miles, give or take uh, seven miles from uh, Wrigley Field. Um, okay. 
Yeah, behind the uh, Kennedy Expressway. And uh, that fills me with so much joy being being a Northsider. Like being from Northwest, being from Northwest Indiana and being a huge Cubs fan. Yeah. It just fills yeah. me with so much joy right now. Yeah. I, I forgot that you're from Indiana. Yeah. And like most Northern Indianers. In, Indianers? Uh, in, Hoosiers? I was going to say another one, but I don't think that's PC, bud. Um, <laughs> Uh, hey, no, we, I, we, we, we don't apply that here, man. You can <laughs> say whatever you want to say. Yeah. But I mean, that doesn't, you know, really align with, you know, the, the principles that I practice principles that I practice. I mean, just in general, I mean, I've never really found myself to be like, um, I guess a, a biased person. And that's wrong for me to say, because I mean, I have a lot of biases in, in some senses, uh, I was talking about TV shows, you know, um, but I've noticed a lot of people from uh, northern Indiana tend to gravitate to the Chicago sports teams. Um, yeah, my dad would have disowned me if I wasn't a Chicago sports fan, <laughs> man. The, my, dad, my dad is a diehard, right? And it's... We're Cubs. Bears. Oh, definitely yeah. Dub Bears. Uh-huh. Uh, unfortunately, this was a down year for us. Yeah? I, yeah. Mm, unfortunately. Mm. You know, unfortunately it was. And when the Bears made the playoffs, like, there was that like there was like yeah we made the playoffs after yeah. not making the playoffs last year but then I was like oh man making the playoffs and playing the Saints that just means that we're having to wait a week before we can get to the off season <laughs> <laughs> and this is funny for us like because I you I'm like, don't like I sports. don't know what the hell you're talking about <laughs> <laughs> or I guess I can't relate to that um, I could do a better job of that though yeah. uh, I don't know maybe read some articles um, yeah. Yeah, uh, if you ever if you ever met my dad, my dad would tell you that uh, he is a he's a Bears fan, and whoever plays the Packers, uh, uh, just like he is a Cubs fan, and whoever plays the White Sox mm-hmm. or the Cardinals, mm-hmm. either one of those. Yeah. Anyways, back to you. <laughs> um, well, yeah, you know, growing up in Chicago, uh, gosh, I grew up with a pretty, you know, decent family. I love my family. Um, you know, there were, there were times that I, I didn't, um, and not because I hated them just because I couldn't, you know, um, I guess we'll get to that, but yeah, growing up in Chicago was like, uh, gosh, my parents worked, you know, both, they both worked full-time jobs. Uh, my father first started, uh, driving trucks, doing deliveries around the city, um, and eventually moved into being self-employed, you know, being a just a construction worker. Uh, I say construction worker, really, he was a, you know, carpenter, handyman, uh, did odd jobs here and there. Um, and my mom had always worked pretty much administrative jobs. And I, I, I remember we got free cable because she worked for the cable company out there. So that, yeah, that was exactly, yeah. I got to see like HBO stuff and, you know, stuff that kids really shouldn't be watching because my parents, you know, weren't home. But uh, let's see, I grew up in Chicago, you know, it wasn't riddled with gangs, but I mean, you know, it started to get kind of bad as I started to get a little bit older. Um, My parents tried to afford to get me, uh, my brother and I, you know, into good schools. I was in a Catholic school all the way up until like the third grade. And I remember, you know, my parents would have to drive me all the way to Logan Square to go to a uh, Catholic school there called uh, St. John Birchman's. Gosh, it took me a minute there. Uh, yeah, that f- mouthful, yeah. definitely. Uh, but most schools are, I guess, you know. Um, 
Yeah, and then uh, when I went into a public school because my parents couldn't afford the tuition anymore, and I, I prob- was probably running amok, too. I remember taking fucking Ad- uh, Ritalin at the time. It was uh, Ritalin. Adder- I don't think Adderall had been out yet, but um, I remember having to go to the nurse's office every day at lunchtime to take another pill after I'd taken a pill that morning. Um, and I guess it was usually just to keep me, you know, hyped up enough that I was brought down a little I'm, bit. <laughs> so I, I, I guess dude, you can I'm relate. A, oh yeah I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm with you there. My mom threw a fit, uh, with my second grade teacher, uh, because my second grade teacher, I guess, uh, during like a, like one of the, uh, parent yeah, teacher yeah, conference conferences. things. Yeah. Like, she was, I was, I mean, I was bouncing off the walls, right? Uh, I have ADD or ADHD, whatever. I don't know. I've never been tested for it, but she was, she, I mean, my, my second grade teacher was adamant that I had it. Uh, she's probably right. Uh, and my mom didn't want to put me on any medication, but my second grade teacher was adamant that I needed to be on Ritalin. Mm, yeah. And that, you know, the, a lot of those recommendations came to my parents from teachers too, and I remember starting to see uh, psychiatrists, psychologists, um, even going to uh, some counseling in some later years. Uh, but I mean, gosh, it was so different going from a Catholic school um, where you know some of the most of the curriculum is you know based around you know religion um, and having to do mass every Friday. And oh God, mass was boring, dude. I remember I used to like just use my imagination and like have little like stick figure fights with my fingers and like just i was, I was just always fidgeting you know yeah. pretend like they were like dinosaurs or something ah, just to, like i think is kid shit you know yeah. like i've got an active imagination um and i went to a public school uh after that and it was like everything freaking changed i mean it was like dudes are you know actual like i'm now experiencing bullying you know in its at its finest, I guess, in those, in those environments, um, you know, yeah. teachers aren't paid as much, so they're not like paying as much attention, I guess. I don't know. I don't mean to, you know, judge any educational workers out there on the, you know, that take their job seriously or anything. Um, but let's see, I started riding a bus. I'd never ridden a bus. Well, I mean, school bus. I'd never ridden a school bus before with like all these kids and like have to be at a bus stop by a certain time and go up and get picked up. Um, which is funny because I mean, our school was like right down the street, like two blocks away from my fucking <laughs> house. Um, so I thought that was kind of ridiculous. Um, which brings me to being bullied on the bus that I asked my parents to take me off the bus. And then I did start walking to school in my second year at that public public school. Um, and I remember I got into my first major fight at, what is Patrick Henry public school? Uh, I think that was the name. Oh, like the railroad, like the railroad guy. Yeah. No, that's, no, that's John Henry. That's John Henry. Um, okay. I, mean, I honestly, I make, to this day, I, I don't even know who Patrick like, Henry is. Um, and that's bad. Cause I mean, I like to think that I'd know a lot of stuff, you know, her, her, her. Um, <laughs> but <clears throat> no, it was, it was definitely different being in a public school. I got to experience, you know, some, uh, more gang activity, you know, and I actually got to meet some of the kids that lived in my neighborhood who I would always kind of just see from afar playing, but never really had the opportunity to engage in because I was kind of, uh, I don't want to say necessarily sheltered, but, you know, I had everything I needed in my bedroom, in the living room, you know, NES, Super NES, Nintendo 64, you know, at some point. And uh, what about the Sega? You know what, man? My cousin had a Sega 
And I was like, fuck Nintendo. I want the Sega that my cousin has. And my parents are like, well, you got a Nintendo. They do the same damn thing. And I'm like, they don't have the Sonic. They don't have the Sonic. I want yeah. Sonic. Um, I want Mortal Kombat. Fuck Killer Instinct. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, experiencing more of that, like, kind of activity, you know, as I'm walking home from school, seeing, you know, I don't want to, like, call them gang members necessarily, but they were just delinquents, man. We were juvenile delinquents. They would, like, just pick on kids, and, you know, I experienced that, and then I started running with these kids and, and you know, just started getting in with the wrong crowd. Um, and, gosh, my parents pulled me out, I think, in, like, the first month of my second year in that public school, and they put me in a different school, but they had to change or they had to register me under my uncle's address because he lived closer to that school and it was in a nicer neighborhood, nicer school. Um, they had like a program for gift children. So it's like, you're not dealing with the same demographic of people, you know? Um, and it, the neighborhood I was in is, you know, predominantly Hispanic. Um, and I was now with, at that time, what I knew as just like fucking white people, like, you know, and it was like, oh, they've got like, game boys that they bring to school you know and like we have to keep it a secret because they'll get taken away and like dude like the kids that i was in with in school with before they couldn't afford freaking game boys you know like that so that was like um i guess i'm you know just trying to give you a better idea of like what the class difference was like that demograph and uh man it was it was definitely kind of a culture shock but i met some you know, pretty cool people there that uh, were into video games like I was. And, you know, that was just kind of like always my jam. Um, on the weekends, my dad would take me to the Neighborhood Boys and Girls Club, which back then was just the Neighborhood Boys Club. Um, and I played flag football every weekend. And that was kind of like my extracurricular activities to like kind of keep me out of, you know, that was one of the things that kept me out of hanging out with the kids in my neighborhood at that time. And then eventually, you know, being in this school, which was uh it was Alexander Graham, Alexander B. Graham School, or no, Alexander Graham Bell, the guy that invented the telephone. It was a school that was named after him, and uh, I was there for like one year until they, uh, I think I fucked up, <laughs> and I filled out some paperwork um, and put my address down, and they realized, wait a minute, this address doesn't match the address that's on your registry paperwork. <laughs> Let's do a little investigating. And sure enough, you know, they were like, well, he doesn't live in the district, so we got to pull him from this school and put him in a school where you guys are at. Um, and by that time, my parents had actually... So the the house that I grew up in up to that point was a three-story apartment uh, house. So um, it, Chicago has like this weird layout, and not all the cities like this, but most of the city blocks are kind of capped with uh, apartment houses or apartment buildings, I should say. Um, you know, the brick structures that kind of run the length of, of the end of the block. So um, like a condo? Width-wise. Uh, yeah, it's kind of like a condo. Um, but then, like, down the length-wise, it's all, like, houses. Single-family houses, multi-family houses. And that's what mine was, was a multi-family house. Uh, we lived on the first floor. We rented out the basement. We rented out the uh, the second floor. And, and then the attic, which was, like, its own little kind of, I don't want to say studio apartment, but it was just much smaller. Um, and my dad owned it and he was a super and, you know, he took care of it and, you know, was collecting rent and, you know, going to work during the day too. Uh, my mom by that point was working in administration with a hospital called Northwestern Memorial. And, um, that next school was John B. Murphy school. That's where I got to be from the first. So, yeah. John B. Murphy school. Um, 
but they had bought a house right almost kitty corner to that school and we weren't far we were like maybe a mile away from the uh, apartment building that we lived in or the apartment house and my dad still owned it and then they bought this other house and now we have a three-story house that uh this is two-story sorry I guess three if you count the basement we don't have basements a lot of basements here in Arizona no. but in the Midwest they're like everywhere um yeah. and that was uh that was cool there was a lot more space for my brother and I to you know grow up and play around and then uh my baby brother was born by that point and I think I was probably around 10, 12 years old I'm 12 years older than Sam um, Are you the oldest I am the well on my mother's from my mother uh my father has a daughter that lives in Florida who I don't keep a lot of contact with um, outside of seeing posts on Facebook, you know, stuff like that, uh, which is unfortunate. But I mean, that's just kind of like where our lives have led us now to this point. Um, but <clears throat> gosh, from that school, it was like I bounced around schools like crazy. So from John B. Murphy school, I was there to like, I don't know, the sixth, sixth grade. And then for seventh and eighth grade, because um, that's where they capped out at was sixth grade. Um, then there was a school like that was just a little bit further out from us, maybe like a couple more blocks, uh, still within the same neighborhood. And that was uh, Thurgood Marshall Middle School. And that was uh, named after the, I think, first black Supreme Court justice. And um, <laughs> yeah, I'll have to look maybe. out of your face. Maybe. <laughs> um, uh, I'll have to look it up. But uh, we did seventh and eighth grade there. Um, but again, these are all public schools that, you know, they were just like close to us and uh, going to that middle school, which uh, the, I guess, demographic, they didn't necessarily like only have kids from our neighborhood because there just wasn't, I guess, enough. I don't know. I don't know the way, you know, boundaries yeah, and schools yeah, and like where you're out, you know, where you're placed and such. I don't know how that works, but, it, you know, we had people from different parts of the city, uh, I guess, within maybe three or four miles, um, maybe five. I don't I don't know. But I got to see and meet more people from different demographics and, um, you know, finally having actually hung out with like some Asian people, uh, some Indian people or, you know, Middle Eastern people. Um, it was much different. But I guess the gang activity was just ran a little bit more rampant there. Uh, that was my first experience with marijuana. And uh, we were smoking weed in the bathroom one time. We got caught and, you know, whatever. Uh, got in trouble. You know, our dean of discipline there, actually, this is pretty funny. Uh, you know, there would be fights all the time. I mean, you know, rambunctious boys, seventh, eighth grade, whatever, um, all fighting for, you know, girls and whatnot. Um, stupid reasons. And uh, ladies, you're not stupid. I didn't mean it that way. But um, he would make people that would get into fistfights stand toe to toe on a milk crate and hold hands. And you had to, like, lean back and you guys have to, like, support each other and make you do that for 20 minutes. That was his punishment and other punishments for more serious things would he would make you write out the uh, Declaration of Independence five times over. And you had to do it those five times in that one day. It was essentially like ISS. And like, I'll never forget, uh, he had a bookshelf kind of like I've got a bookshelf right here. You know, they were bigger, you know, much nicer. Yeah. And they were just chock full of toys. Shit that he'd confiscated over years of, <laughs> of service as a dean of discipline for the for the school, uh, maybe other schools. Um but it was there that I, like, again, just started getting in with the wrong people. Um, and I failed the eighth grade. And my parents were like, well, fuck that. You're starting to get, you know, in trouble a lot more. You're getting into more fights. You're getting in with the wrong people. We're finding weed in your bedroom. And um, 
it was crazy. Like all of a sudden they want to put me back in a Catholic school. So I went to a private Catholic school again um, for my second year of eighth grade, which is where I've met, I met some kids and actually still maintain contact with quite a few of them uh, to this day. And actually the last time I went back to Chicago in 2016, um, I got to hang out with a handful of people from that grade in my class. And that was cool. You know, we were drinking at a bar and, you know, kind of just getting fucked up and uh, having a good time. And that was actually, I think, I want to say that that was around the time that uh, the Cubs got their, their dub. Yeah. Yeah. 2016. So it was like, you know, pretty big. A lot of people were like sitting there watching the I game. Cried. And I was, well, I was not crying. I mean, if I was, it was probably because I was drunk. Uh, but <laughs> um, I remember sitting there and everyone like kind of just like, stop paying attention to me. And that kind of hurt my pride a little bit, you know, here I am coming back like 10 years later. Anyway, um, no, it was, uh, yeah. Um, it was, uh, yeah, they, you know, put me in this Catholic school and I was running amok in there too, you know, being the new kid and like having all that attention of, uh, you know, some people not really knowing who I was. And that was like, I guess my first experience of like putting on a facade, you know, it was like, uh, that movie, the new guy, yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about with uh Eddie Griffin? Yeah. And I don't remember the white dude's name, but um Rob Schneider. I don't believe Rob Schneider was in that. Are we talking about the we're talking about the same movie? Maybe I'm talking about the hot not. chick. Maybe you're, I'm talking, about, talking the about the hot chick. I'm talking yeah, about the hot chick. For sure. Well the new guy, like this kid, like he's super dorky. Everybody picks him on him at his school and like he purposely gets kicked out so that he can go to another school. Um I guess that's the premise. I don't remember exactly, but he ends up getting put in jail for breaking school property. And uh, while he's in jail, he's kind of telling his story. And like, you know, some of the inmates in there are like teaching him how to be a badass, how to fight and whatever. And like they give him a makeover and he ends up going to this like new school and like puts on this facade that he's a badass and, you know, whatever. And that's like kind of how I felt at that point in my life was like, this is an opportunity for me to like establish not necessarily my dominance, but like establish that I'm not to be fucked with, you know? And so like these kids that were like trying to pick on the new guy, I was like, no, fuck that. I started swinging. I broke, broke a couple noses. And like, again, not tooting my horn. Cause I'm, I'm not necessarily a fighter. Like I don't, it's not my thing. I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't promote violence. Um, but it was interesting that it kind of, it kind of got me the recognition that I wanted, but it, kind of got me the attention also that I didn't from, you know, the teachers and so on and so forth. So of course, yeah. I think that they passed me just to get me out of that school. I think that they felt like if they <laughs> kept me there and I think the only reason they kept me there to begin with was because the school was doing bad. They needed tuition, like, you know, pay for books and whatever, yeah. you know, yeah. like I was just another paycheck to them. Um, and it's funny cause like a lot of my family actually went to that school. Uh, and so I don't want to say like legacy, but like I had family that was there and like I would walk down the halls from one class to the next class and see like the class pictures and be able to go, oh, there's my cousin Martha. There's my cousin Vanessa. Oh, hey, there's my cousin Emma down the hall because she's in the same school too, just in a lower grade. Um, so it was, uh, yeah, that was uh, definitely a weird experience, but um, it also got me closer to um, a couple of people that, like I said, I still uh, keep not necessarily strong contact with, but at least like I see some posts here and there and like, you know, congratulations, you know, likes, hearts, emojis, whatever. Um, but we bonded over video games and like, that was our thing. And we would go to Joseph's house and like spend the night there, maybe sometimes the weekend. Um, and his dad would set up the Xbox in the living room and like, we'd start playing Halo. Uh, that was my first introduction to Halo. And, um, it was, it was a great way to get me away from the crowd that I was hanging out with at that time. 
and kind of introduced me to like you know hey you don't have to be a fucking delinquent and like go around stealing bikes and like punking kids for a bo- for a box of cookies which <laughs> i've done before and i feel like super bad about that um so timmy traversa if you're listening out there i'm sorry i punked you for your box of cookies <laughs> <laughs> um <clears throat> so like from then on it was uh i don't know like and the fi- the family dynamic at that point i mean my dad was uh ever since I can remember, it was always an alcoholic. Um, you know, I'd catch him drinking beers and, you know, after hearing my mom yell at him about drinking beers and I'm like, Ooh, I'm telling. And he's like, you little shit, you ain't going to say anything. Blah, blah, blah. you know, get my ass kicked sometimes. Um, and that's not to say that like I got my ass beat when I didn't deserve it. Cause that never really happened, you know, uh, to my knowledge. And I, I'm not condoning of the treatment necessarily then. And I'm not blaming, him like that's you know some stuff that i've been able to put behind me yeah. and all but um it it just kind of like kept evolving you know and uh my the fights between my parents just were constant um but they're still together yeah yeah they're still married uh my dad's been sober for about seven years now and, that's awesome uh, yeah um he likes his church he you know my mom and my dad like their church and the friends that they have there are awesome but um yeah, it wasn't awesome back then, <laughs> I guess you could say. Uh, I enjoyed, you know, most of my childhood, that, that is for sure. I had every opportunity that was ever afforded to me, and I, you know, pretty much chucked it off. And, you know, we've had that conversation before, right? For just, sure. I took a lot of things for granted growing up, you know, and I thought that that was always going to be around. Yeah. Um, eventually, like I said, when I was going to go to high school, uh, transitioning into high school, that summer my parents decided to take a trip out here to Chandler, and they were looking at properties. I didn't know that they were. They were like, oh, we're going on vacation. Cool. They came back two months later. We're packing our shit and moving out to Arizona. So, like, before I even started high school out there, um, they made the decision that they weren't going to expose me to, you know, that. Because, I, like, obviously, I was just gradually starting to get more rambunctious, get into more trouble, so on and so forth. Um, did they make that? Did they make the decision to, to come out here to Arizona? Because of that? Um, you know, I'd like to think that they didn't necessarily make it based on, you know, that. But I think that overall, just like the state of the neighborhoods that we were in and um, maybe to go get away from my extended family out there. I, I'm just kidding. Um, I mean, that could be true. I don't know. That's not <laughs> stuff they'll ever tell me. Um, but I can tell you that moving here was, again, another culture shock. When they told me we were moving to Arizona, I literally pictured just, like, sand, cactus, tumbleweed rolling around here and there, um, which is actually a – it's a joke when people see tumbleweeds here in Arizona. Like, yeah, I don't yeah. know. But I pictured people, on, you know, with 10-gallon hats riding on horses, which I did see a couple of that. We live by ranch properties out there in Chandler. Oh, yeah. um, but when we first moved here, um, I was upset – depressed you know all my friends back in chicago um really no way of like keeping communication with them back then yeah that um, would have been, that would have been like, what, 2002, like 2002 2003 before, um so before iphones and yeah and all that stuff yeah i mean i remember my, my parents had cell phones back then but um you know they yeah, were the, the old nokia brick uh it was actually before the nokia brick i think the nokia bricks were like probably like a bleeding edge technology by that time. I don't know. My parents couldn't afford it. Um, I'm so disappointed. It, it, it's, <laughs> I mean, it's amazing to see where we're at now. Yeah, for sure. Like looking back for because, sure. Like I used to think that like my razor was just like yeah. the coolest thing. Oh, I hated my parents cause they wouldn't buy me a razor. Like I was so pissed at them. I was like, well, 
Dustin's got a freaking razor. Like, why can't I have a razor? Mm-hmm. And his family's on freaking welfare. Like, what's going on here? <laughs> uh, um, sorry, Dustin, if you're listening. <laughs> I keep saying that. Like, I don't know. I guess the expectation it's gonna is... Get, it's going to get to those people at some point. Yeah. So I mean, I hope so. And I, I wish can, I all, can the, appreciate all, that. all the best to, to them. Apparently, he's a family man now. So, you know, good for you. Um, but yeah, we moved out here and uh, the house that we wanted to buy, I don't know, something to do with escrow passing uh, i don't know i don't even really know like much about buying a home right now to be completely honest with you um i've been looking into it and i'm just like i don't really think i have the time to invest into this kind of research right now I'm, you know i've got a lot of yeah. things going on and uh i think that time will come you know in its time Pretty but well. um yeah we ended up moving into a condo in scottsdale so my first high school was actually at coronado okay um, the Dons, I think their the mascot. Dons. Yeah, the Dons of Coronado. We're we talking about like the Mafia, the Dons? I don't know. This guy was definitely like more Spanish Inquisition looking mascot, like <laughs> like a rapier and suit of armor. Uh, you know, the thin mustache. You. Um, yeah. See, I went. I, I went to Red Mountain. I don't know where that is. East <laughs> East Mesa. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, dude. Tweakerville. Mountain lions. From what I've heard, from what I've heard, Red Mountain is now called Spread Mountain. So, uh, <laughs> is that I'll true? Try keep, I'll try to keep it PG. <laughs> um, I mean, it was pretty bad. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't bad when when I was there. Yeah, I imagine um, not. I think the last, I think the it had to be my had to be my junior year, uh, if you can even call it a junior year. Like I said, I graduated in two thousand seven. Technically. I graduated in December of 2007. Alternative schools. No, no, I didn't. No, um, no, my parents moved us to Colorado Mm. uh, uh, right before my uh, best friend had passed. Uh, And we all we all gave it a go. Um, You know, they're uh, they're great, man. You know, they they're religious, uh, which which is awesome. Uh, you know, they tried to make the best decisions for five kids that uh, were all oh, living, wow. were all living with my my mom and my stepdad, and they tried to make the best decisions that they could. They tried to, you know, tried to involve, uh, you know, tried to involve spirituality and and sure. God in all in all of that, and sure. tried to do what they thought that you know they were being called to do. Um, we were Easter, we were Easter Sunday Catholics. Like that was literally the only thing that we went to church for was Easter Sunday. Yeah. We, we, uh, I think my parents started to see a lot of the, the churches that we were going to out here. Uh, they were, they were really putting an emphasis on how much money you can give the church. Yeah. Uh, we're like, I mean, I know there's something to do. I'm not, I'm not, yeah, like. I'm not even going to get into what I was going to go into. Yeah. <laughs> but like we stopped, you know, we, we stopped going, I think I was 10 or 11. Yeah. And like they had us involved with the church. Like my uncle's, my uncle was a pastor uh, before he passed away. Mm. Um, you know, so we grew up in the church and then it was kind of one of those culture shocks where it was like, oh, we don't have to go to church. Right. If I don't want to go, I don't have to go. Yeah. There's oh, no immediate yeah. no, I'm definitely for this. Yeah, like I'm, I'm definitely not going. Definitely not. Yeah, I've I wouldn't a, either. I was I've, bored in mass. I've got, I've got video games to play. Yeah, exactly. I've got football games to watch. Halo matches to play. Yeah, so Splinter Cell. No, yeah, so 
Splinter Cell, baby. Metal Gear Solid, the original tactical espionage action video on game. On PS1? Yeah. Yeah. Loved it. Absolutely. Big fan of the franchise. SOCOM? No. Did you ever I, do SOCOM? I, I, did you ever play I SOCOM? never played SOCOM. Oh, know. man. It was so... On the PS2, man, when that PS2 came out and SOCOM came out and you had like the little headset, like we thought we were all, we thought we were all badass. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I can imagine. Yeah, for sure. But, uh, but yeah, so we moved to, we moved to Colorado, uh, and I decided I didn't want to go to school out there and my parents were pretty cool. Uh, they said, all right, cool. Get your GD, get a job. Uh, I did those things and then. About four months of being in Colorado. So you graduate equivalent diploma. So I got a G. So I, <laughs> no, so check this out. I got a GED out there. Uh, and then we moved out. We moved out there uh, on winter break. Yeah. And about, I think it was April, my parents were like, all right, cool. Uh, we don't like it here. Uh, we think we made the wrong choice. Uh, we're going to go back. So my stepdad stayed and he finished doing the remodel on, it was a, yeah. it was a brand new house. Essentially we just built out the basement um, and gave it a finished basement. And then sure, uh, we moved our, my stepdad stayed out there to finish out his contract. He's a doctor, um, finished out his contract. And then he moved us back while he was uh, finishing up the house and his contract. And I came out and helped a little bit. Uh, but when we went back, I looked at my mom and I'm like, I want to go back to school. Like, I had never, I never really wanted to be at school. But when we got back, it was like, well, I want to graduate from where my sister graduated from. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm a diehard red, I'm, I'm a diehard mountain lion here, man. Like, so long story short, uh, ended up graduating like, a semester late and then I didn't even walk. I didn't even walk with the class of 2008, right? My diploma says 2008. I say 2007. Either way, I'm sure they're all semantics. Yeah. It's, it's semantics at this point, but like I didn't even walk because I joined the Marine Corps and went to boot camp Hoorah. the week that I, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, but no, like I, like I didn't even walk because I, I joined the Marine Corps and shipped to boot camp. Uh, the week that uh, everybody was graduating. Like, I was in hell, and everybody else was like, yeah, we graduated high school. Yeah. Yeah, I can... That was a really bad impression. I'm so sorry <laughs> to the class of 2008 at Red Mountain. Um, you know, funny that... I mean, I never... I didn't drop out. Um, so, like, I was at Coronado for maybe, like, I don't know, two months. And then my parents closed on a home in Chandler, and so we ended up moving back down to Chandler. But moving to Scottsdale was, uh, again, another culture shock. You know, well, it was like the culture shock of moving from Chicago to Scottsdale was like, everyone's got a cell phone. God. Everyone's got a car. I mean, my age, mm -hmm. pretty much kids my age. Everybody's got a cell phone. Everybody's Couldn't got a car. Couldn't believe it, dude. Um, it was, uh, again, I don't mean to sound getting into race or anything, but it was like my no, first man. introduction to like, Oh God, this is gonna so, sound so misogynistic, but like the valley girl, like you know, stereotype. Yeah. I guess you can say, and like the some emo, of the some of the kids, yeah, the emo goth punk, um, kind of like scene. I guess yeah. you would say, you know, and uh, 
kind of like the outcast and I was just a newbie, you know, and like I made a couple friends in some classes and then figured out that, hey, you know, these kids that I made friends with uh, are friends themselves and they all hang out in a group uh, during lunch uh, behind the cafeteria. And, you know, we all just like fuck around and just, you know, we grab our skateboard. Everybody tries doing tricks. I was like, oh, you guys skateboard out here. Like, you know, I guess one of the things that like I brought with me um, that my dad brought with him when he came to this country um, and that he like kind of incorporated into me and my brother's lives uh, was BMX. My dad did BMX, uh, BMX back in the uh, late 70s, early 80s, and it kind of just always stuck with him. I mean, he did competitions out there in Mexico, um, won trophies and, you know, was on racing teams and, you know, trick teams and um, did a lot of flat and uh, a little bit of vert. Um, but he liked racing like that was kind of his jam. And so, like, you know, skateboard, skateboarders are akin to, you know, BMX. We're all like, you know, the extreme sports kind of like side Gateway. of sports of sports yeah so like that was like kind of like my hangout crew um who also happened to smoke weed so it was like i got reintroduced to smoking weed when uh i I went to scottsdale um and i was there for like two months and then we ended up moving back uh you know or moving to chandler which was the original intention uh where i went to did you go to chandler high i did not go to chandler high go to hamilton i did not go to hamilton either i was supposed to go to hamilton because it's like right down the street my house is uh my house is on Acatillo and Cooper Perry wasn't built by then. Um, so Acatillo and Cooper, and I think that Hamilton is on Acatillo in Arizona. Yeah. So we're literally like two miles away from the school, but because they had built this brand new school called Basha High School. Basha. In honor of Eddie Basha. Okay. Um, I think it was in honor of Eddie Basha. I think so. Is Eddie Basha the son or the, I don't remember. The point is, is that I it was named after a Basha, the owner of yeah. the superstores. Um, the grocery stores, not superstores. Uh, but, that's where I went to high school, you know, uh, my f- the rest of my freshman year, my uh, sophomore year. That's where I met Oscar. I lived okay. like four four, do- uh, four doors down from Oscar, and we met each other at the bus stop, and he'll always remind me, you know, I'll never forget, like, my mom telling me, that, like, hey, there's another Hispanic kid at the bus stop. Why don't you hang out with him? Um, and he'll, <laughs> he will tell you that. That is that is true. And I'll never he forget heard my- that? Huh? He heard that? No, he his mom told him that when she dropped him off at the bus stop for, like, the first day of school. Um and I'll never forget my friend Tasha, just this like awkward, you know, petite little thing that was, you know, walking to the bus stop by herself and uh, cute thing. Like she's a very cute girl. Uh, and she got like all the attention from the kids at the bus stop. And she'd like, I guess she's a shy person by nature. Um, and a lot of people take that as like her being kind of stuck up and snobby because uh, she is a good looking girl. Um, but she's just kind of she's a lot more free spirited now, you know, now that she's like come out of her shell. But um, back then that was like kind of my, my group of friends. And we had this, uh, <laughs> this redneck hit kind of kid that lived across the street from Oscar and I named Bo. And <clears throat> like the four of us would just like hang out. And I remember Bo would come to the house all the time. Hey, can Rafi come out and play? And then we'd like try to go get Oscar. And, you know, that was like our hangout. Um, and same thing, you know, just like kind of a lot of money in Chandler at that time, uh, younger families and, um, that was awesome. That was like a cool experience for me, uh, you know, carrying that kind of scene and culture that I was uh, now used to from being at Scottsdale, you know, listening to punk and listening to uh, alternative music and, and uh, which actually my friends in the eighth grade had introduced me to like Lincoln Park. And that was like my segue from coming from, you know, rap, hip hop and R&B, you know, all the uh, music that we would listen to with all the gangbangers out there in Chicago. Hey, they did, I mean, Jay-Z and Linkin Park. That was a smashing that album. Up, man. That was awesome. That was a pretty good album. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, that's, that was just like, kind of like my identity at that point, uh, you know, still trying to figure myself out and, you know, dressing all black, you know, sometimes I, uh, a couple of times I had painted my fingernails black. I wore eyeliner uh, a couple of times and, uh, you know, got shit for it. And of course that made me feel self-conscious and I fucking never did it again. <laughs> I was like, fuck <laughs> this dude. I thought I was going to be cool. People are making fun of me. I'm not getting the attention that I want. You know, people aren't bowing down to me when I walk through the halls. Fuck that. Um, you know, I was just, I was stupid. You know, I was just a stupid little teenage kid that was just trying to find his way in the world. Uh, but, um, you know, they would tell you now in the rooms that that's like kind of, you know, where my alcoholism started to like really manifest itself, uh, especially because sure. I was already smoking weed and, you know, doing, <clears throat> doing crime. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, doing crimes, graffiti with Sharpies on fucking mailboxes, you know, like, uh, <laughs> just stupid shit that I was doing. I think that's a federal offense, bro. I think when you get the mail involved, it is a federal offense. I hope there's not a statute of limitations. I don't know. Did I just admit to a crime on a podcast? I don't think so. <laughs> um, I, don't I mean, think, I, don't, I, don't I don't think, think anybody's so. going to hold me, hold me to that this, at this, you know, day They got to find you. Yeah. Don't share my information. <laughs> no, we're not going to um, share your information here. Uh, but, you know, being at Basha, I was there for like three months or I'm sorry, three years uh, all the way up until my senior year. And, you know, by the time the end of junior year, I was just like fucking off. And uh, by the beginning of my senior year, I uh, had already, you know, the taste of some partying, you know, some kickbacks. Hey, my parents are out yeah. of town. Come, you know, we got a big ass bottle of vodka. We're going to get fucked up and, you know, <laughs> we're going to make jungle juice. Um, and like that's you know, what I did and going into senior year, like I didn't want that fun from that summer to just stop. And I remember filling, I'm sure almost anybody in late high school has done it by that point, filling a water bottle up with vodka. Oh yeah. You know? And then like by the fourth period, I'm fucking pissed drunk. Like, and I'll never forget that I passed out in the editing room of the TV production class that I was in <laughs> and my teacher having to wake me up and it was just like, Hey man, step in my office real quick. You know? And I'm walking by, I'm the only one in the fucking classroom. So the classroom's empty, but he wants me to walk into his office. And I'm already thinking like, whoa, man, what are we doing here, man? And he's just like, hey, <laughs> I know what's going on. Don't do it again. And I loved that guy. Like, he was, like, probably wow. one of my favorite teachers ever. And, like, it kind of, you know, puts a, some fear into me. Um, I just... But I didn't care. <laughs> you didn't care. <laughs> Obviously. Uh, so, like, after high school... Um, actually, I'm going to tell you why I didn't graduate from Basha. Okay. And that was because there was a kid that I didn't like because he was getting with my ex-girlfriend at the time. And Ethan, I'm sorry. I shot your window with my pellet gun. Cause I kept, <laughs> <laughs> I kept a Beretta styled CO2 gun under the seat Man, of my neon. Lie. And I shot at his SUV because he was pulling out in front of me when I was trying to get in line to get out of the fucking parking lot. And I was like, don't you do it. And he backed up and he hit my car and so I fucking shot the windows and the girl in the Kayla, I'm sorry. The girl in the car behind me There's is like, a lot hey, of man, amends going on in fuck, this episode. What the fuck is going on? She's yelling at me, telling me how to drive. I fucking lean out the window, pointing this fucking realistic gun with no orange cap on the end of it at her. She starts screaming. <laughs> All the girls in her car are screaming, freaking out. And like, again, I'm sorry, ladies. Uh, sorry, Ethan. But, uh, I'm driving a couple of friends home. Like, finally, we get out of the parking lot. I get home, and there's already fucking cops waiting for me at my house. Obviously, they call the cops. Why didn't I think that they were not going to call the cops? Was that your first you know? run-in with the cops? Yeah. Actually, I was arrested for that, and uh, my mom had to come pick me up down at uh, CPD, and 
Um, they gave me a disorderly conduct charge for that. And, uh, they confiscated the gun, which my dad was probably a lot more angry about cause I had stole it from his collection. Uh, not that it was a collectible or anything. It's a $45 air gun at fucking, you know, Dick's sporting <laughs> goods. Uh, but I ended up getting kicked out and this was like three months into my senior year at Basha. And, uh, I ended up going to an alternative school where I was able to finish, you know, you do all your classes yeah. on a computer. So I was just like, I was done within four months of being at that, at that stupid alternative school. So by the time, uh, I think it was already January, February, I was done. I was like, technically I'd already graduated. I didn't walk yet. We didn't walk until May, but I'd started working before all my friends. And, uh, where were you working at? <laughs> so, uh, while I was in school, my first job was at an Arby's, uh, did my friend Corey. Thank you, Corey. Yeah, great sandwiches. Horrible job for a fucking kid. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's a great job for a kid. Um, but uh, from there, I left with my friend Corey because he went to go be a, a cook at Applebee's. But mm. um, it was the very first Applebee's that they built off of Gilbert and Germain, if you know where that intersection is at. Yeah. So, yeah, like, man. right there off of Gilbert and the 202 in Chandler. Yeah, um, I know exactly where that's And uh, I was there as a host, and they wanted me to be a server, but... By that point, Did I was be 21. I, I think it was 19 by that time to serve alcohol. But I'll never forget, like that was again, like introducing me to you know the 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 uh, the food, the food industry, the food where industry where everybody parties, does does drugs, like you know, and here they see this kid who's like part of the reason like, why you work. That's part of the reason why you yeah. work at a restaurant. Because well, I mean, I didn't nobody know drug tests because if you drug test anybody at a restaurant, hey, man. most of the time they're gonna <laughs> pop. I was. I was making $8 an hour, having to seat people, sweep up some food here and there. Never yeah. had to bus a table, never had to fucking serve food, like never had to cook food. Like that was, that was it. And then we split tips, you yeah. know? So, um, but like at the end of every night, it was like, you know, you go to these parties and, uh, you know, you start drinking with like people that are like in their twenties and here I am, I'm 16 years old. And, uh, so by the time I had graduated and, I got my first, like, I guess, quote unquote, real job. It was at a game crazy where uh, I stole an Xbox. I don't even think those exist anymore. They don't. Hollywood Video, baby. Yeah. Um, Hollywood this... Video doesn't even exist anymore. No, they don't. You're really aging yourself. Yeah. I'm right there with you, though. So like, Yeah. Same age. So I yeah. shouldn't feel so bad. Like the block. Dude. Blockbuster, <laughs> the not Blockbuster by my house, almost. not even there anymore. Yeah. That store has now changed a... like six I times. At, I worked at a Blockbuster at one point. And was there, I was drunk all the fucking time. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, that game crazy. Um, I remember, I'll never forget this guy, you know, dressed up in nice dress shirt, nice slacks, you know, brings in this Xbox 360 that he's like, yeah, I want to uh, make a claim on my warranty that I have for this. This thing just isn't working. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, I tested it out and I'm like, look, man, you know, it seems to be working fine to me and I, I can't just like swap it out with any kind of like definitive malfunction of the device and he's like look let me talk to your manager and my manager's like dude just give him a fucking xbox and take this i was like all right whatever dude so there's this perfectly working xbox at least i think it's perfectly working sitting in the back i'm the only one working i have to close that night i was like fuck it i don't know what the company i didn't know that there was like such a thing as inventory control and uh you know loss prevention like i didn't <laughs> know these things like i was still only like eight i was still 17 at that time you know and just like kind of experiencing the world um but I ended up putting that Xbox in a box that I was collecting trash in that I was going to take out at the end of the day. And I thought I was so fucking smart, you know, and game crazy came back to be like a week later. They're like, Hey man, 
where's this Xbox that's supposed to be on your inventory? I was like, I don't know. They were like, well, that's not good, dude. We're missing a console. And I'm like, I don't know. They're like, hey, what, what is that in the you know box that you're taking out of the trash and putting into your trunk? And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. They're like, you have that Xbox, don't you? And I'm like, yeah, I've got the Xbox. Like, do you want me to bring it back? They were like, no. You're done. Just just keep the fucking Xbox. I was like, dude, I got a fucking <laughs> Xbox out of it, dude. Like, I didn't care that it was tarnishing my reputation as an employee. Yeah. Um, but I'll never forget that job, dude. Yeah. But I mean, that, that's, uh, you know, all through this time, I mean, you know, problems at home weren't like, yeah, I shouldn't say that they weren't bad. Um, by this point, I had like come to blows with my dad like my dad and i would have fist fights and you know we would like super get into it he was drunk probably about 95 percent of the time that that was happening and that was usually like the reason that we would get into fights is because i would just call him out on his bullshit and he wouldn't like it and you know take his stance as i'm the man of the house and you know but of course my mom would come come break up the fight and as soon as that happens you know my dad's just like "Mm, you might have won the battle but you haven't won the war you know (laughs) like and i always got that like sense from him so yeah, so how, a, how long uh, how long after you turned 18, did you say? Um, it, was it like the day? No, um, I stayed for a while. Um, you know, there were a lot of times that I would go stay at friends' houses um, just to get away. Yeah. I mean, there were times that my mom would tell me. Uh, by this time, I had a cell phone. I was able to get my own cell phone, so was it that was cool. Um, it was not. It was an LG it was red with some silver trim. I don't remember the model number. Um, oh, I think I know that one. Uh, but it was small, and it would, like had a little camera on it. It was like one of the first camera phones from LG. And uh, I would get text messages from my mom, you know, just like, hey, your dad's on a war path. Like, don't even bother coming home tonight. He's like, he's just belligerent, and he's looking for any reason to fight with anybody. And I'd be like, okay, mom. Like, you know. And so, like, through that whole, like, dynamic, um, man, I really learned to, like, really hate my and hate such a strong word but i you know for the lack of a better term i did i i hated you know my my family dynamic and i hated my father and i uh, told myself like i'd never be like that all the while i'm partying and getting drunk and you know by this point i was trying coke like i tried it maybe like twice and i didn't really like it um but i was taking Adderall which like what's the fucking difference um so yeah, I stayed at home for like quite a while. Um, I guess I did leave a little bit after I turned 18 and my friend John and I lived out of his van for like a week. Was it down by the river? It was not down by the river, but it was out in the boonies in Queen Creek. And I'll never forget one night he brought his computer. So like, okay, here we are thinking we're badasses. We're living out of this van. But every time we need a shower, we would go to my house whenever my dad wasn't there and ask my mom to use the shower, <laughs> right? <laughs> and she would like, as soon as we get out of the shower, um, you know, she would like feed us and um, she'd be like, all right, get on your way before your dad gets home, you know? And so we'd hop into this big black Astro that we spay, we spray painted like a bunch of belligerent crap all over on the sides. And uh, dude, we stayed in front of a water and ice in Queen Creek. Um, I don't remember the cross streets. However, we got... Pulled over, I say pulled over. Pretty sure over where that water and ice is. Probably. It's, yeah, it's, it's probably like the not there. there. It's not, probably not there anymore. And there's probably a lot of houses and shit. But, yeah. Um, he, uh, yeah, he parked the car in front of the water and ice and we were stealing electricity from the water and ice to run his computer and we were watching clerks. 
and we had his girlfriend with us and uh our buddy uh dallin was with us and three of us are runaways uh sam was there um just because john was there and we were smoking weed and uh fucking pcso comes like like a bat out of hell dude just one car right in front of us and next thing you know we hear like three other cars like and then next thing you know they're yelling at us over this megaphone and we see laser dots pointing through the windows and they're like get out of the car slowly one at a time walk backwards you know get on the floor on your knees hands behind your head like don't look at us and I was just like, holy shit, dude. And next thing you know, dude, we're fucking restrained and detained on the floor. They're tearing up the van, uh, all my clothes. There's a dog in there. Um, and they were just like, what are you kids doing? Like, what the fuck does it look like we're doing? We're smoking weed and watching clerks, man. And they're like, yeah, well, we're going to take all this marijuana. You guys uh, don't let us catch you the rest of the night. We're like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> like, I thought I was going to jail again. Um and that was uh, that was a funny experience, but uh, I ended up obviously going to stay back at my parents' house, um, and then through a lot of, you know, the troubles that my father was going through with his alcoholism and the way it started to affect our family, um, which you know this is just like one of many things. Um, was he got a DUI up? I think in Prescott, either in Prescott or Flagstaff, um, and it was you know pretty bad. I uh, don't want to get into the specifics and throw my dad's business out there, but he ended up, you know, being here on a, as a residential alien, you know, not necessarily a citizen, but not necessarily on a visa either, or I guess that would be considered a visa. I'm not sure. I was born here. So that doesn't, <laughs> that doesn't fucking matter to me. Um, but the point is, is that my dad ended up wanting to leave back to Mexico. And so he left, um, took my baby brother with him. Uh, by this point, my first younger brother, was already living with his buddy, um, moved out. And I was like, by this point, I'm like 20, 21. And my mom stayed to like try to settle some affairs. And they ended up foreclosing on the home, walking away. They lived in Mexico for like three years. And during those three years was when I felt like truly abandoned. And like I said, all those opportunities and, you know, all that spoiling that I went through that I thought was always going to be there, like up and was just pulled up from under my feet. I'm a 21 year old man now. Like I should say, boy, I'm a 21-year-old boy now. Like, I have to figure shit out on my own. I can't just keep sucking off the teat and, you know, taking advantage. And I truly had, like, nothing, you know. And I uh, ended up moving in with um, my friends. I don't remember the order. Because, again, through all this is, like, now my depression is, like, super set in. I don't have my family here. Uh, I actually stayed in that house until, like, they told me I couldn't stay in that house anymore. And during that time, all the work that my father and my mother had put into it and painting it, putting tile, backsplash, new appliances, um, you know, really just like making it their own home that they had planned to make theirs for a very long time. And I'll never forget that I took a baseball bat to like almost every window. I like took hammers and like put holes in walls, um, spray paint cans and spray painting just again, belligerent shit all over the wall. Like I destroyed it. I was angry. I was like pissed. And, uh, of course I was pretty drunk through all this too, you know, like just high on Adderall, high on weed, drinking a shit ton of beers, uh, you know, liquor too. It like, didn't really matter. I'd never really been exposed to, you didn't discriminate. Yeah. I didn't discriminate and I'd never really been exposed to like harder drugs other than, you know, Coke those few couple times. Um, and 
I was uh, fortunate enough, uh, through this time, I had been employed at one point or another through the men's warehouse and was there with them for like three and a half years. Um, wow. So yeah, that was probably like the longest I'd ever held down a job. Um, and that was pretty cool. Like, you know, but you know, through that time, I'm like partying and, uh, you know, just like running amok, making pretty decent money, actually, for my age. And um, it was hard to not have a job by that point, but like have the sales experience. So like with sales experience and us, you know, uh, recovering alcoholics and addicts, like we have a good opportunity because we know how to manipulate people. We know how to sell people and lie to them and, you know, get them to believe us, or at least we think mm -hmm. we do. Um, but it's uh, interesting that from there, um, I was living with uh, my buddy Oscar. I mentioned him and you know him now in person. Um, and, and Jamie, uh, Kendra, Tony, uh, and originally this was Jamie and Becca's apartment. So we're in a two bedroom apartment with like four or five people, uh, three dogs. I think we had three dogs in that little apartment. Um, and it was like not very far from Fiesta mall. I think it was like Broadway and country club. Mm -hmm. So I would ride my bike to Fiesta mall and like, I tried getting a job there and I started working at a place called Arizona diamond center, which the O'Donnell's, I'm sorry. I've stolen a couple of things from, you know, taking some merchandise home. And, uh, it was, uh, that was another experience, you know, I got the knowledge for selling jewelry, which, you know, was cool and, uh, was still running amok, showing up drunk all the time, you know, smoking weed in, on my breaks. Uh, and that time my manager working there that hired me started to get me into Coke and we started doing cocaine in the back room. We'd go to the strip clubs and do cocaine in his car and then go, you know, yeah, get drunk at highlighter, you know, just dancing <laughs> on us, man. Like there's just trim everywhere. Uh, I met my... Um, I actually met my, my wife while we were in high school. She was just a friend of a friend of a friend and was kind of just like, you know, whatever. She was younger and wasn't really part of my crowd, but, uh, uh, she came looking for a job at a Fiesta Mall one time and I was just like, Hey, why don't you apply and come work with me over here? You know? And so she put in her application and like literally that night I was like, Hey, can you give me a ride home? Cause I don't have a car or a license. <laughs> and she was like, yeah, I'll give you a ride home. And you know, we were talking and, uh, then I was like, hey, I'd really like to take you out. Would, do you want to go on a date? But I don't have a car or a license. So she ended up coming to pick me up. And we got Menudo. And I'll never forget, you know, I went in for the kiss. And I guess you could say I went in for the kill. And we started dating. And, like, she would come and visit me at the apartment. And, like, you know, I was just, like, I was just not speaking badly about myself, but like at that time I was a piece of shit, man. Like I had nothing going for me really. Like, yeah, man. But we were dating and we were seeing each other. Um, then at like some juncture or another between getting kicked out and evicted from that apartment, uh, where I was living with my friends, uh, working at that jewelry store. Um, we moved in together with a friend of hers that she was working with at Sears and sleeping on his couch together. It was a fold-out couch, though, so it was nice. pretty comfortable. Um, Those are usually not comfortable. Usually not, but this one was this one was all right. Actually, no, it was it was pretty shitty. I must be thinking <laughs> of a different couch. Anyway, the point is, is that you know that led to one, you know one thing to another. We got our own apartment. You know, we moved in together over there. Then she got pregnant with my first daughter, Tori, and it was like, oh shit, man! Now life is like real. Um, at that point, I didn't realize it and was like, man, I'm 
going to have a baby with a girl that I'm not sure if I like want to spend the rest of my life with. Like, this isn't what, this isn't necessarily what I was raised to, you know, do. And like, I should have better morals and, you know, make better decisions and so on and so forth. But none of that changed my mind. I kept doing what I was doing and, you know, buying forties and, you know, bottles of wine and bottles of liquor. And, um, I had stopped doing so much of the, uh, Adderall and the Coke, uh, but we still smoking a shit ton of weed, you know, and that was one thing that she and I vibed on was like, we love to smoke weed together and play video games. And, um, like we had this apartment for like a little while and, uh, we would argue, um, and I would tell her like, we're not really together. Like we just got this apartment together and, you know, you might be having my kid, but we're not like anything. And, you know, I started sleeping around, uh, which really hurt her. And, you know, I can only imagine like what that pain must've felt like, um, and we kind of moved away from that and we got another apartment because we were being evicted from the one that we had to begin with uh, because I decided to punch a window while I was drunk and pissed off. And, you know, the cops had to be called. They had to bring an ambulance because I, I split my wrist open. Um, and that was that was a horrible experience. I mean, I could have died that night. I lost so much blood. And the only reason I actually got found and why somebody called the medics uh, was because... Um, my neighbors from upstairs, who we smoked weed with a lot, came down to want to see if I wanted to smoke a blunt. They saw all the blood and they, you know, they kicked the door in and um, they found me in the bathtub. Just like, you know, it looked like I had slipped my wrist and oh, wow. I was like butt naked in the tub. Uh, they carried me out and called the ambulance. And, you know, that was like my first hospitalization due to, you know, my drinking. And uh, it was... Um, it was life-changing, but it didn't change my life. <laughs> so, like, it didn't really change my mentality on things. You know, I kept, you know, doing what I was doing, and eventually we got a different apartment. We had our daughter. Um, I was in between jobs at that point, too, and she was working. Um, I ended up going to work for the same company, Joseph A. Banks, selling suits again, uh, but in a different store. And then she left uh, the store that she was at, and she went on to work. I can't remember. Big O Tire. Gosh, it was so long ago. Um, but like, that's, you know, I would always like prided myself on like respecting, you know, the, 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 the women of our families, you know, and like try to cherish them and like take care of them, you know, make sure that like everything that they need and want is taken care of. And I just, I didn't live up to that expectation. And I think that a lot of that stemmed from, um, you know, just like me being, you know, like acting like somebody pissed in my Cheerios every single day. And that's, you know, again, that was like my alcohol just like really, really getting like bad. And it was horrible. Um, I never really realized how bad it was like affecting things. Um, so with all that, like with all that craziness going on, I mean, I don't see you that crazy today. No, I mean, you're not definitely not like you're definitely like you're definitely not the person that like you're definitely not the person that you're describing anymore. Yeah. So like, how did the you know, how did the family life and all that craziness that you went through in your, you know, your early 20s? Controlled is, drinking. <laughs> <laughs> like, how did that? How is that how has that affected you in in your family relationships now? Like cuz I know you've got 
I know you've got kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think two daughters, right? Yeah. 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 So like, how is that, how has that affected you in, in being a father? So, um, after I had been, uh, caught stealing product from Joseph A. Bank, you know, taking ties home that I you know, would go to work without putting a tie on, just take one off the rack and wear it for the day and then forget to put it back before I leave. Um, forget. Yeah. Some leather jackets here or there. Uh, you know, definitely some amends to make on, uh, make later on in my life if that company's still around. Um, but the we'll, way we'll just, we'll just bleep that out here. Yeah. But, um, there's, uh, there was the birth of my second daughter. Um, and you know, honestly, I thought things that things were going to change. Um, so we ended up getting married. Uh, we started renting a house out in Sandan Valley and, uh, well into that rental, I lost my job at Joseph A. Bank, um, and started working for actually after I lost that job was my first stay at rehab. So, uh, by this point, my wife was working at, um, uh, I always want to say project manager, uh, property management company. Um, and so she's at this project or this property management company and she gets benefits. So like now we've got health benefits and she's like, Hey, you know, you really got to do something about this. And so I ended up going to rehab. Um, I actually landed a phone interview while I was in rehab during the one hour they give you to make phone calls during that day on your cell phone. <laughs> so I took advantage of that and I uh, got a job at Jared uh, selling jewelry again. Um, left uh, AM- AMA against medical advice. Um, so the insurance didn't pay for it. So that was like a bill that was like weighing heavily on us, which we never paid. And uh, that was my first experience with AA. Um, or the 12 steps, I should say. And, um, they encouraged me to keep going to meetings, even though I was leaving rehab. And I was like, yeah, sure. You know, so I'm the guy in the back with a fucking QT cup full of Mike's heart of lemonade. You know, nobody knows what the hell I'm drinking. Right. But then they try to come in for a hug and I'm just like, yeah, give me a hug. And they're like, yeah, well, you know, you just keep on coming back. And I'm like, I don't know if I am, but like, I would talk to, you know, um, my wife and, uh, they encourage, you know, like get your family involved with Al-Anon and uh, at least that's what they told me in rehab. Yeah. Um, and she was just like, no, you know, most of my family's in AA. I think it's a cult and this and that. And, you know, her views are her own, you know, and she kind of, she's a, she's a strong-willed woman, you know, now. And that's, I don't want to say that, like I did that, but I'm sure that I contributed to how strongly willed and like how, headstrong she is now and she's always really been that way but i think i just kind of like added to those experiences but um the way it changed me was with that experience um i just kept relapsing i mean it was i was in and out and you know losing jobs gaining jobs i lost my job at jared because uh i had started drinking again and actually i didn't lose my job at jared now that i think about it um so in a nutshell um I had started sleeping with one of my coworkers there at Jared and that ruined at least my relationship. I have no idea how it affected theirs, which I'm sure it wasn't positive, but you know, whatever. So, um, and I remember my manager, you know, saying like, Hey man, what's, you know, going on. I'm just like, man, I'm super stressed out. This and that, like, you know, my sales have been dropping and he's just like, Hey, can I make a suggestion? Why don't you lay off the sauce a little bit, man? Like your breath can stop a Mack truck, bro. Like, 
you know, and he didn't call me bro. And maybe he didn't say my breath can stop a Mack truck, but he definitely indicated that like it was noticeable. Um, so that being said, they started changing commission structures. Um, my mom had uh, suggested that I come and work for the psychiatric office that she was working in. And uh, cause she had always held down jobs pretty much in the medical field and administration, you know, clerical stuff. Um, and so I did, I went to go work for them for uh, probably about two months uh, in those two months, uh, I was kicked out of the house. So, uh, we lost that house out in Santan Valley. Um, we were, you know, the lease, we had to step away from the lease. Um, my ex wife got an apartment in Mesa, like kind of North Mesa ish. And I would go and I'd visit, you know, like just to be with the girls and like have dinner with them once a week. Um, and I was doing all right. You know, not drinking as much or not at inappropriate times, at least. Um, and I'll never forget that at this time I was starting to take a lot of uh, antipsychotics, uh, Geodon. Um, there was another one that starts with disease. Zyprexa was one of them. So they wanted to put me on Seroquel and uh, I told them, like, I didn't want Seroquel. It was something that they gave me a rehab that I didn't didn't like. Bad experience. Yeah. So... Um, man, in that experience that I had while she was living in that apartment, I spent the night after having dinner, we stayed up watching Game of Thrones, I'll never forget that, and I went to sleep, I woke up pretty early, uh, went to go take my meds, and I'm looking through her fridge, and there's a big bottle of, of Zvetka in her freezer, and I'm just like, eh, eh a little shot's not gonna hurt me right now, you know, take a little swig out the bottle, you know, start feeling good. And next thing you know, the, the, the happy train is moving. It's picking up momentum. And I'm just like going back every five, 10, 15 minutes for another shot. And like, next thing you know, I am just blitzed. Like she finds me passed out, standing up in her hallway and she wakes up she walks, she finds me and she's trying to wake me up. And I don't know where or why this would have caused me to react this way you know what she did and um not saying it's her, her fault or whatever but like i had like hit her pretty hard with my head and that was you know not cool and of course she didn't really realize what was going on and i didn't know what the hell was going on and next thing you know i wake up in the back seat of a cop car and um so like through these experiences i'm realizing that, like how much my alcohol was really like my alcoholism was like really affecting my life and I didn't really do anything about it. You know, uh, I went to rehab again after that. I got a good job at GoDaddy and I uh, worked there for like almost an entire year before uh, I got arrested for being found passed out in uh, the backseat of a car in someone else's garage after, I guess I had walked through their house. I, I guess at one point I realized it wasn't mine and I tried to walk back out and I found my way into the backseat of their car. Um, and that landed me in prison and it was in prison that I was like, okay, I need to like definitely make a change. So through County, I was like, you know, trying to do AA meetings, not enough people to get, you know, a petition for us to be able to actually go to a, a meeting on site in the, in the jails. Um, so the next step was prison, you know, get my sentencing, criminal trespassing. I'd already had an assault charge. Um, and it was like, 
just one thing led to another, you know, and like, these are not the consequences of my actions and, you know, nothing I can really do about it. And, you know, crying in my cell and, and, you know, crying while I'm at court um, and like just foxhole prayer after foxhole prayer and, you know, promises and promises. Um, eventually I went from County to prison. Um, it was in La Paz and Yuma. I was there for like a couple months and got a taste of like, you know, the politics that they try to enforce there. Uh, I was on a minimum security yard, like, you know, really not a lot of shit was popping off or, you know, it wasn't like, it's not what you see in the movies, at least, you know. Yeah. Um, and from there, I had to go and take care of another felony that I had gotten out of the Santan Valley. So I had to go to Florence uh, Courts and in Pinal County. Um, so they took me to a yard over there. Those yards were a lot, I don't want to say nicer, but at least like the environment with the, like the atmosphere of the people was completely different um and i ended up staying in florence uh and it was in florence that i met tyler uh, and uh he was selling brownies one day you know just walking through the runs <laughs> like hey you want to buy brownies you want to buy brownies you know two for two for a certain price or whatever and i was like yeah man i'll play this game like i had some money that get go daddy cash out my 401k so i had some money um so i started buying brownies from tyler and uh I eventually made it into the rooms of AA over there. I didn't know that they had meetings. Um, so I started going to the meetings there and saw that Tyler was there. And, you know, not that we became fast friends, but, you know, we came, we became chums. You know, we'd talk every time we see each other on the yard. We'd say mm -hmm. hi. And, um, you know, same thing with Ronnie. Uh, and he would always say, Rafi, freaking out. How are you doing? You know, like, and I'll never forget that. And he says it to this day, and it just always makes me laugh. It takes me back, you know, to that time when we first met. Um, but when I got out of prison, uh, life kind of changed and I, you know, went back to drinking and relapsed and, um, I wasn't getting in trouble, but I was on probation and, you know, not catching any new charges or anything like that. I'm just, you know, coasting through and not getting like super belligerently drunk, uh, again, controlled drinking. And just like one day I'm like, I'm laboring, you know, I've gone through multiple jobs, you know, low voltage electricity, um, went through, uh, building trusses, painting houses, doing tile, remodeling, uh, doing drywall. I mean, just like stuff that again, you know, like I mentioned earlier, you know, 15 hour days with like a really stupid paycheck and like nothing to do with it, but to spend that on weed and, and beer. And, um, at one point I just like, I figured I'd have enough, you know, like my, my kids would come to visit me, uh, cause by that time they'd moved out to California. Um, and it just, uh, you know, something changed. Um, I realized I couldn't keep doing it anymore. I ended up, you know, bouncing from sober living home back to my parents' house, you know, then getting my own uh, room in someone else's house and realizing that this lady was crazy and we got cockroaches <laughs> all over the place. It's disgusting here. And she's charging me $700 of rent uh, for, for a month for rent. And I'm just like, dude, something's got to, something's got to change. And, uh, dude, I, called Tyler and um when he got home and uh, I mean he's been sponsoring me ever since uh so you know part of a good lineage with people that I knew and got sober with while I was in prison um and uh, you know through the success that I've had in that short period of time and like being able to uh and that's not necessarily the I don't you know want to say like proving myself but like proving myself capable of taking care of myself now that dynamic has changed, you know, like I can take care of my mother. I call my mom 
almost every single day. There are times that like I'll go a couple days without calling her and she'll shoot me a text message. And some people might find that annoying, but I'm just like, Oh shit, that's right. I haven't talked to my mom in a couple days. I've been so busy. I don't even remember. Um, so, you know, and with that, you know, they're, my kid's mom is now more apt to keep me involved in what's going on with my kids' lives. Um, you know, I, I take a more active role than I did back then. And it's not a huge role, but I'm like, I mean, my daughters love me to death. You know, they know who I am. It's not like they've ever forgotten me. They probably will never forget me. And I hope that they don't, but they never really got to see, you know, those sides of me. And that's like, not necessarily something I want to keep from them, but not something I want them to experience going forward in their lives. So, you know, my main goal now is just keep my head down and, and, and keep my nose clean and, you know, aim for the sky. You know, I've got big goals and big ambitions. You know, now I have the awareness and the uh, attention span, um, the drive and the passion to make those dreams a reality and like really, you know, give back to them and, and, and be there. And like, this was the first Christmas that I think that I'd ever, uh, you know, bought them gifts, you know, on my own with my own money. And, you know, I know it's not about the money or the material things, but like just to provide, you know, and like spend like five, $600 on not all toys, uh, but like, you know, <laughs> between like skateboard lessons, you yeah. know, knee pads and skateboard and helmet. Um, and then my youngest daughter, like, you know, some other things, it's like, I was able to do that. And so like the life now is just like so much, so much, so much different. Like you're looking at, you know, a Raphael that like cares about my life. You know, it's not like back then where like, I didn't care. Like I'd procrastinate about, I still procrastinate a lot about a lot of things, <laughs> but like, it's not the important things, you know, like my bills get paid on time. Um, you know, and I have a lot of people in my life to thank for that. Uh, so I guess like the biggest difference is, you know, what the program has given me is again, the Number one, it's the awareness to know when I'm starting to slip back into old ways, when I'm starting to become complacent, you know, resting on my laurels, as they say, um, what I can do about those things. When I start to feel these things crop up, you know, the feelings that I don't like and I know how to deal with them. I know how to, you know, get rid of those feelings and uh, be of service to other people. Um, and it's not necessarily, you know, when we talk about service work in the program, but like just be of service outside of the program itself. So... It's, uh, it's night and day, you know, and I think that this is honestly the person that I probably could have always been, but I don't think that would have ever been possible if I did not have those experiences in my life. So like at this point, I regret nothing. You know, I don't look at the past and like say, oh man, I was such a piece of shit back then. Pity me. No, it's like, wow, man, I was a piece of shit back then, man. I'm glad I'm not like that anymore. <laughs> you know, like. But hey, yeah. I can always be that piece of shit if I, you know, let those things like really weigh me down and don't do anything about it. So it's like, you know, I guess like the dynamic to answer your question uh, at one point that I don't think that I really answered is, uh, man, I, I know how to treat people in my life now. You know, I know what their worth is. I know what my worth is. And that's not to say that I only keep people around for their worth. But the people that care about me care about me for a reason, and I need to show that in kind, you know, to them and just relate, you know. And I can keep 
getting people and, you know, know, getting to know people. And, you know, now that I can bring myself to a point of vulnerability because I'm not afraid of my past, I'm not ashamed of my past. It's like, it gives me the ability to relate to people and to be able to share those experiences with other people is what keeps me like on that, on that drive. So, I mean, that's, that's pretty much it, you know? That's all I got, dude. That's, that's <laughs> awesome, my man. I did not expect you to be here. Hey, man, this long. <laughs> no, man. We, I mean, we definitely, we definitely went long. But I am so happy that you were able to. We'll make it a two parter. <laughs> yeah, we'll, maybe we'll make it a two parter. I might just make it. I'm just making this up as I go. <laughs> we'll all figure right, it man. out. So, uh, before this computer dies, uh, if you were, if there's somebody listening right now. And they were able to relate to what you're going through. Maybe they've gone through some of the same stuff, man. Back when you were going through the same stuff, like back when you were going, you know, through the ringer, Mm -hmm. what would you have wanted somebody to say to you? Well, I've had people tell me what I would say to people, and that's you're not alone. Just take some suggestions and know that there's a place for everybody like everybody's got a purpose so don't feel like you're worthless my man i appreciate it i appreciate you brother i appreciate you too man love you yeah i love you too all right episode two we're done finally we out <laughs>